Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Luke's English Podcast, which I imagine is your favourite podcast on the internet. If it's not your favourite podcast on the internet, what are you thinking? Seriously, what are you thinking? Maybe you've got another one out there that you prefer, which I suppose is possible. I mean, let's face it, it's unlikely um, that there's a podcast that you're listening to that you actually prefer to compared to this one. I'm kind of joking, really. I'm just... Um, Pretending to be arrogant. What I'm basically saying is welcome to another episode of the podcast. I hope that you're well. Hello. How are you doing? You all right? You're comfortable? You're in nice surroundings and everything? You're ready for another episode of the podcast? Maybe you're outside doing something. Maybe you're on public transport going somewhere. Don't miss your stop. You might be suddenly engrossed and engaged by this episode. You might kind of forget about everything else that's going on around you because you're just so locked into another episode of the podcast, don't um, forget to pay attention to what's going on around you. Don't miss your stop on the uh, on the public transport network, the underground, the tube, the metro. Don't miss your stop. Don't miss your bus stop if you're on a bus. Um, and uh, if you're driving, don't miss your turning. Don't forget. And also, if you know, watch out for those red lights. Don't run a red light. That would be a disaster, wouldn't it? If you're just walking down the street, don't forget to put one leg in front of the other one. That's uh, that's very important because if you if you suddenly just forget how to walk because you're focusing on listening to this, that could be embarrassing. You might fall over. Um, you might even injure yourself. It could be very embarrassing. You might drop something on the floor. And then you'd have to bend down and pick it up. And you've dropped all your papers on the floor and you have to kind of bend down and pick them all up. And everyone's looking at you going, what happened there? They don't realise, of course, all these people in the street looking at you, picking up all your stuff that you've dropped. They don't realise that the reason you dropped it all is because you were so focused on this fascinating and engaging and useful uh, podcast, which you're listening to on your headphones. And they're standing there laughing, like, look at this loser dropping everything on the floor. They're pointing at you as if you're the loser. Little do they know they're the losers because they haven't discovered this incredible free online resource for learners of English. A chance for you to listen to someone, and not just someone, an English teacher with loads of experience, speaking directly to you, producing this podcast at home in his apartment, in his flat um, producing this podcast, throwing all of his enthusiasm and all his years of teaching experience and his uh, his uh, uh, sort of aptitude for entertaining people on stage as a stand-up comedian. It's all being thrown into an episode, another episode of this podcast, which you're now listening to. So forget about all these other people judging you because you've fallen over in the street from because you were listening to this, you forgot how to walk. Forget about the, the driver behind you who's beeping because you forgot to go when the light went green. Forget about all of these other losers who are not aware of Luke's English podcast. You're one of the lucky ones you're listening. Maybe you're a long-term listener, in which case, good for you, good choice, good life choice. If this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, welcome to the community of Luke's English Podcast. You've made a very wise move. Okay, so this episode is called OPP, which stands for Other People's Podcasts. Okay, now, despite the fact that I've just gone on a, a sort of mini rant about how great Luke's English podcast is, this episode is about podcasts that I love listening to and that I'd like to share with you. That's right. This is a podcast in which I talk about other people's podcasts. Um, so I'm going to tell you or I'm going to su suggest to you in this episode that you listen to other podcasts. Now, why would you want to do that? I mean, of course, I understand that you get absolutely everything you could possibly want from episodes of Luke's English Podcast. I mean, why would you want to listen to anything else? Well, um, 
really, this is just a chance for me to to kind of bring to your attention some other cool listening stuff that you might not be aware of. And it's also a chance for me to just share some of the podcasts that I personally love to listen to. And I just, I listen to these podcasts when I'm out and about on my headphones and I enjoy them so much. They mean so much to me that I just want to tell people about them. And I thought that you, um, as a listener, you might you might decide to listen to some of these podcasts and get addicted to them like me, and they might enrich your lives, and they also might help you uh, with your progression in your English, okay? Okay, right. So, um, the podcasts I'm going to tell you about, they're not podcasts for learners of English. I'm also not going to devote this episode to podcasts made by listeners to Luke's English Podcast, because there are some listeners out there who've started to do their own podcasts. I might mention them briefly in this episode, but that's not the main focus. So, it's not for podcasts. It's not about podcasts for learners of English. It's not about podcasts by learners of English. Um, In fact, it's just about some podcasts that I love listening to, uh, podcasts which are made by native English speakers for native English speakers, uh, primarily, and these are podcasts that I love listening to and I'd just like to share them with you, okay? So, as I said, they they aren't for learners of English specifically. This could mean that um, the podcasts I'm going to talk to you about in this episode Uh, might be hard for you to understand if you listen to them. However, it could be really good for you to at least try listening to one or more of these podcasts just to see if they click with you. If they click with you, meaning if you suddenly sort of find that you are engaged by it and you enjoy listening to it, if it clicks and you really like it, then that could be uh, really good for your English. It could just be another addition to your mobile phone or your iPod or your MP3 player. It could just be another little podcast addition there along with the others. You obviously got Luke's English podcast, maybe a, a few more. Well, I could add another one to your list if you've got time. Um, so I'm going to tell you about 10 of my favorite podcasts. Okay, these are podcasts that I listen to all the time. I've picked out 10. I'm going to tell you about them, explain why I like them so much, give you a basic overview of the, the concept of each, uh, of each podcast, and play you a little sample as well, so you can kind of get an idea of uh, what it sounds like. Okay, um, At this point, I would just like to kind of give you a note about how I listen to podcasts. Now, I'm, I'm saying this because recently I was teaching to a class of students Uh, I've got a class of students and I was suggesting that they need to try to get more English into their lives. They were saying to me things like, Luke, I've got a problem because we study for two hours a week in your class and that's great. But I find that outside of the class, my English seems to just die. I'm only spending two hours a week doing things in English and the rest of the time I'm just doing it in my own language. And as a result, my English sort of dies down. And, and I said to them, well, you need to try and find ways to just get more English into your daily lives. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to sit down and study for an hour. You don't have to just stop everything and study for an hour. You can just try and build in some English listening into your daily routine. And one way that you can do that is just by subscribing to podcasts, sticking them onto an MP3 player or or a smartphone or something, and just listening to them while you're out and about doing other things. So my suggestion for listening to podcasts, you probably know this already because you you might already be familiar with, you know, the standards, the standard ways in which podcasts are consumed and listened to. But just in case, you know, you're not completely familiar with that, I think that most people listen to podcasts when they're doing something else. Okay? Now, there are for me there are sort of two ways of listening. No, let's say three ways of listening. The first way of listening is when you um you focus completely on the listening. So you do nothing else, you sit there and you focus purely on listening. You might write down, you might write a transcript or something when you're listening to it, but you certainly just focus on nothing else but every single word which is being said. So that's one way. This sort of intensive way and you can use that way, but I'm, I'm just mentioning the different ways. Okay, so there's one way. Another way is that you, you, you do something else, like, for example, you... Oh, what could you be doing? You, you might do some housework or, 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 you know, some knitting or cooking or something, and you put the podcast on in the background, but you're not really engaged with it. It's just kind of going in one ear, it's going in one ear and out the other ear. 
okay? And that means that you're not really engaged. It's more almost like background noise in a way. It's just going on in the background and you're sort of vaguely aware of what they're talking about. But most of your attention is, is going on the task at hand, which could be cooking or knitting or ironing or, or, or going to the gym or whatever. Okay, that's the second way where you're not really engaged. It's just a sound. It's just the sort of rhythm of English going on in the background. And then there's the middle way for me, which is where you listen to the podcast when you're doing something else, but when you're doing something that doesn't require your full attention. Like, for example, when you're just traveling to work on the train or maybe when you're driving, you know, uh, driving a route that you're very familiar with that you don't have to focus completely on, you know, to avoid being lost uh, it could be just, you know, walking down the street on the way to work or college, sitting on the bus, that kind of thing. So it doesn't take out, it doesn't take time from your day. You're just multitasking. And also it means that you're not doing something that you need to focus completely on to the point where you can't really understand or listen to what's being said in the podcast. See what I mean? So you're sort of like multitasking, but it allows you to focus your attention on what's being said, but it doesn't mean you have to stop doing other things. Okay, so that's how I listen to podcasts. I tend to just put it on my phone or put it on my MP3 player. Uh, When I leave the flat to go to work, I stick the headphones in, start playing an episode. Um, I walk down the street, get on the train, the episode's going all the way. It's about half an hour to get to work. And I get to work, turn it off and there I am at work and I start my day and then when I finish I I put the mp3 player back on when I'm traveling home again and I get the other half an hour so a one hour episode tends to be listened I tend to listen to a, a an episode in a day half an hour there half an hour back and my mp3 player remembers where I stopped Okay, so when I get to work and I stop the podcast, it knows where I've stopped. And then I come back, turn it on again, and it plays from that that uh, position where I was when I turned off the MP3 player. All right? This is how podcasts work. That's how I listen to podcasts. I think that that's probably how you should listen to them too, but it's really up to you. You can You can choose to focus on every single word if you want. My main point is try and build listening to podcasts into your daily routine so that it allows you to save time, you know, you can kind of multitask. Okay, right, so I just would also like to mention, before I talk about my 10 favourite podcasts, I'd also like to mention just the fact that there are some leper-produced podcasts, and obviously by leper I mean Luke's English podcast listener. Uh, we call them lepers, all right. Uh, so there are some podcasts produced by listeners. Of course, there's Zdenex English Podcast, which you're probably aware of because I've mentioned him before. Zdenex English Podcast. By the way, go to the, the the page for this episode on my website, teacherluke.co.uk. The episode is called OPP, Other People's Podcasts. And you'll find links to all of the podcasts and other stuff that I'm talking about in this episode. You'll find all the links on the page for this episode. So there's Zdenek's English podcast. You can check him out. He's a he's from the Czech Republic. He's an English teacher. And he um, does podcasts regularly in which he talks to native speakers of English and non-native speakers of English. Lots of reflections about the language learning process. He also just sort of rambles on about uh, various things. And um, you can kind of join him on his journey into the, the his sort of approach to, to improving his English. Oh, did you hear that? Lots of loud thunder outside. I'm gonna, I've opened the, the window. You might be able to hear thunder because let's face it, thunder is just awesome, isn't it, as a sound effect? There's lots of lightning and thunder just, I don't know, about a mile away from me. So we might get some dramatic sound effects. There are other podcasts produced by listeners. There's Guillaume's English podcast, Gilliam, 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 that's how it's said, is from Switzerland and he does his own podcast like like Zdenek. There's Chris's English podcast um, and there's Learning With Myself. I think you can find actually all of these podcasts on uh, Guillaume's website which is talktolearn.ch. If you go to talktolearn.ch then you can find um, uh, you can find like links to all of the podcasts that I'm mentioning here. Uh, talktolearn.ch. Okay, so that's those are podcasts produced by listeners. It's quite interesting that uh, some of my listeners have decided to embark on on uh, production of their own podcasts. Um, it's kind of a new thing, 
and I'm quite interested to see how that develops. Um, okay, but anyway, let's now talk about some of my favourite podcasts that I listen to. I've picked 10 podcasts which are produced by native speakers of English um, and which uh, are probably designed to be listened to by native speakers of English. By that, I mean they're not graded for um, learners of English. The level of, of the podcast hasn't been simplified or any of that. It's just real, authentic English um, by native speakers for native speakers, okay? I've mentioned that that might make them difficult for you to understand, but I still think it's a good challenge. And who knows, you might find one that you love And then next thing you know, you're regularly listening to native English speakers speaking completely authentically without, you don't have to worry about whether they're grading their English. It's all totally natural, really good way of keeping your English up, isn't it? Yes, it is. Right. So my first, the first one I'm going to talk about, I'm just closing the window there because it's a little bit cold. The first one I'm going to talk about is called Wireless Nights with Jarvis Cocker. So um, this is number 10. Wireless Nights with Jarvis Cocker. Um, Now, I've just started listening to this. This is the most recent podcast that I've just subscribed to. In fact, I found it this morning. I was just having a look at some BBC podcasts on their website, and I found this one. I thought, ah, Jarvis Cocker's podcast. That looks interesting. And I just subscribed to it today. I've only listened to about half of his latest episode, and already I'm quite hooked. I'm quite curious about it. So I thought that this could be the first one I could tell you about. Wireless Nights with Jarvis Cocker. It's um, it's British. Um, Jarvis Cocker's from the UK, he's from England. So yeah, I discovered it on the BBC Podcasts website by just browsing on there and clicking around and I found it. Jarvis Cocker is great. He's, he's fantastic. Um, you might not know who he is, but in the in the UK, he's really quite well known. He used to be the lead singer in a band called Pulp, who were one of the biggest bands in the UK during the 90s and after. Pulp. Have you ever heard of them? Well, they were one of the top bands in the musical movement known as Britpop, which was a sort of big musical movement in the 1990s in England. Uh, it was bands like Pulp and groups like Oasis and Blur, and Jarvis Cocker was the lead singer. And Jarvis is a really cool guy. He's just, he's really original. He's really funny. He's very talented. He's intelligent. He's ironic. He's humorous. And he has really wide ranging interests. He seems to be interested in all kinds of things. And that's reflected in, in you know, the way that he talks and, and he's, um, his approach to doing his, his radio show and his podcasts. Um, He's pretty much interested in everything, as far as I can see. And also, I think maybe the reason why I clicked on Jarvis's podcast this morning is because he's my neighbour. I recently discovered that Jarvis Cocker lives just two doors away from me here in Paris. I'm So I've got my door, there's another door, and then the next door, that's where Jarvis lives. He lives like literally just a few metres over there. I'm looking out the window now. He just lives down the road there. And I discovered this recently. Someone told me that Jarvis lived in the area and uh, told me where he lived. And I was like, that's virtually next door to my house. That's amazing. I can't believe I live almost next door to Jarvis Cocker. Um, So I recently discovered that he lives just two doors away from me here in Paris. And since I discovered that, I actually have seen him in the street a couple of times. And, you know, I've seen him crossing the street. I crossed the street opposite him. I've seen him a couple of times, and I'm, I, what would be amazing is if I actually managed to meet him properly and got to know him as like, you know, oh, look, yeah, I'm another English guy living in Paris. All right, Jarvis. I don't know if he would want to talk to me. He's probably got no reason to talk to me. Um, but it would be nice to get to know him and even feature him on the podcast one day. I wonder if he'd be up for it. Anyway, um, so his podcast is called Wireless Nights with Jarvis Cocker. I think he lives part of, he spends part of his time living in Paris and the rest of his time living in England, okay? And he does a radio show for the BBC on BBC Radio 6, I believe. And his podcast, Wireless Nights with Jarvis Cocker, covers all kinds of different topics. And they're all like mini documentaries in which he deals with different subjects each time. And all of the episodes have the aim of taking listeners on a nocturnal journey 
around stories of night people. So it has this kind of cool late night atmosphere in which you go on a little journey into a fascinating new world in which he basically um, finds out about people's stories. It's like a documentary into people's life experiences based on certain topics. Recent episodes have, have covered subjects like the moon, in, including tales of people who have somehow been touched by various manifestations of the moon, including astronauts who actually walked upon uh, the surface of the moon. And, um, and this one from last week, in which it says, this, this is a recent episode, the description for this episode says, in front of a studio audience, Jarvis Cocker and the BBC Philharmonic Orchestra weave tales of insomnia, nocturnal inspirations and dark imaginings from the world of classical music against the backdrop of a president embroiled in the Vietnam War. Wow, that sounds fascinating. It's like, what is it, kind of like a Richard Nixon kind of satire involving classical music and insomnia and sort of dark nighttime imaginings? Doesn't that sound interesting? It sounds very mysterious. Um, The podcast won the Pre-Italia for Extraordinary Originality and Innovation, which apparently is a top European radio prize. Uh, the, the show was is originally broadcast on BBC Radio 4, and then it gets turned into a podcast which is available on the internet. And I thought that we could listen to a little bit. Um, in fact, we're going to listen to the beginning of uh, Jarvis's latest episode, um, let's see if I can just find that. So let's let's go to the beginning of Jarvis's latest episode, and then we can listen to that. Okay, let's listen to the first few minutes of the latest episode of Jarvis Cocker's Wireless Nights. Here it is. You're listening to a programme from BBC Radio 4. The 20th of July, 1969, Stag Island, Ontario, Canada. Eagle, you're looking great. Coming up nine minutes. The night man first set foot on the moon. We're now in the approach phase. Everything looking good. Altitude 5,200 feet. My parents didn't have a television, but a neighbor had a television, and everybody piled into their living room. A young 10-year-old boy is glued to the moon landing. Do you remember that night? No, of course. You're far too young. I was five years old and was allowed to stay up especially. I'd always been mad on space and rockets. But after that night, when a human actually walked on the moon's surface, I vowed that when I grew up, I would be an astronaut. Where did I go wrong? I remember being jammed in there with my older brother Dave. Sitting up on the back of a Chesterfield of a sofa and watching these little grainy images and listening to the crackling voices from the moon. Tranquility base here. The eagle has landed. Roger twink. Tranquility, we copy you on the ground. You got a bunch of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot. And then going outside and standing and looking up at the moon through the trees. It's just such an omnipresent lure. It is so close and yet so technologically far and so puzzling and mysterious. Welcome to Wireless Nights, our ongoing nocturnal exploration of the human condition. And tonight, listener, we are going to finally realise my childhood ambition. We are going to the moon. Yes, you heard right. We are going to the moon. Doesn't that sound fascinating? 
I think that sounds brilliant. I can't wait to kind of get stuck into those episodes a bit more and find out uh, what happens. Like in that episode, you know, um, I guess we're going to hear about people's experiences of either going to the moon or somehow having some other kind of connection to the moon. Just seems really magical and really cool. And also, just uh, Jarvis Cocker has got this really, really warm accent. He's from Sheffield originally, so he's got a slight sort of Sheffield accent. And um, he's just great. I just think he's really cool. I can't wait to um, listen to more of his podcast episodes. So that was uh, Wireless Nights with Jarvis Cocker. And you can, again, find the link on teacherluke.co.uk. Just find the page for this episode. You'll be able to find the link and then ultimately subscribe to it. Um, I use iTunes to subscribe to all my podcast episodes, but I'm sure that there are other ways of doing it too. Um, So let's move on now to my... Uh, to number nine. I'm going in reverse numerical order. So that was 10. This is number nine. And we're now going to talk about the Adam and Joe show. And this was my absolute favorite podcast for a few years. And, And it's probably the podcast that inspired me more than any other. In fact, after listening to the Adam and Joe show, I just got a really burning desire to do my own podcast. Um, I've, I've talked about Adam and Joe on the podcast before in an episode about anecdotes from a few years ago. Unfortunately, they're not doing the podcast anymore, which is a great pity. But um, a, lot of their efforts, a lot of their episodes are still available on iTunes. Not all of them, but what is available is a kind of best-of selection. Um, so if you do go to the iTunes page for The Adam and Joe Show, you'll see a selection of stuff there. But by the way, avoid the shows which are marked Adam and Edith. Those are the most recent ones. Adam and Edith. Now, that's when Joe left the show because he had um, a new career as a film director. And they replaced Joe with um, another broadcaster called Edith Bowman, who's great. She's a good t- she's a good radio presenter. But it wasn't really the same. They didn't have the same dynamic. Adam and Edith wasn't really as good as Adam and Joe. So I suggest that you don't bother with Adam and Edith. Just listen to Adam and Joe, okay? Um, all the Adam and Joe episodes are great, in my opinion. So who are Adam and Joe? Well, they're comedians, radio and TV presenters, and also Joe Corn. Cornish now is a film director and they're great I just love them personally I really like this podcast because I feel that I'm on totally the same wavelength as them their humor is kind of both stupid and clever at the same time they observe a lot of funny details about life in the UK and typical experiences that everyone shares like going to the cinema how it feels to come back from a holiday or going to the doctor Uh, the podcast is full of amusing little jingles and ironic jokes and things Um, Adam and Joe have been friends since childhood and that really comes through on the podcast. You do get a sense that they know each other very well. They're really good friends. There's a great dynamic between them. They can be quite childish, but they're also very sweet. They're very funny. They're very charming and they're actually very intelligent and they have their finger on the pulse of kind of modern culture, I think. And that comes through in the way that they make observations and talk about various different aspects of modern life in their podcast. So I've been trying to find a good clip to play to you. And, you know, really, I want to do justice to this podcast and share with you a clip that I think is really great. But Um, It's been a while since I listened to all their episodes and I just can't quite find a clip which for me sums up what's great about them. Um, So the best I can do is play you um, one which is a little anecdote uh, that Adam explains um, in which he talks about a problem that he had on public transport. Now it's quite typical for Adam Buxton to you know, in, in these podcast episodes, sometimes he talks about social situations that he's been in, which caused him some trouble. Okay. Um, for example, he gets into a confrontation on public transport, or he ends up in an argument with someone in a shop, for example. It always seems to happen to Adam. I don't know why. Uh, but in this case, he's actually talking about going on a train that was very crowded, and he, he had his bike with him, and he was trying to put his bike... Did he have his bike with him? Uh, I'm not sure if he had his bike with him. Anyway, the problem was that the train was very crowded and a number of people had put their bikes in the bike storage area. You know, on trains often they have these places where you you can put your bike. 
you can put your bike on a train and you stick it in a in a specific corner where there's like a little bar and you hang the bike on the bar and so on. Now, when the trains are very crowded, which is quite common in England these days, sometimes people get very like uptight and they start arguing about you know moving bags and you know who's got the seat and if you've reserved a ticket and all that kind of thing. Adam goes on to explain uh, about a posh guy. Uh, posh a posh bloke so you know if you're posh posh means that you're sort of upper class um yeah sort of upper class so you know sort of a a, a look a bloke with a kind of a posh accent might speak a little bit like this you know like sort of um uh william and kate they're 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 really really pretty posh um prince william and kate middleton are very posh prince harry speaks in a very posh voice and the situation here is that a posh bloke gets on the train and for some reason he's being a to, he was he's being complete ass and he's arguing with people about uh, the space where they're keeping their bikes he's completely wrong um he wants to put his bag there and sit there but in fact the space should be used for storing bicycles it seems like a sort of rather insignificant thing to talk about but it's quite an entertaining little anecdote so i can hope you can follow this basically adam's account of seeing a posh bloke getting angry uh because the train is too crowded and he wants to sit in a space which should be used for storing bicycles <laughs> all right let's have a listen to that this is the big British castle broadcasting on the emergency Glastonbury frequency. We are being held hostage in a field by some cartoon ponces and a man pretending to be a cockney. Please send help immediately. Over. We were talking earlier about our respective trips here, and yesterday I took the train from uh, Norwich to get to Glastonbury. It was a little two-leg journey there. Unfortunately, my train to London from Norwich was cancelled when I turned up, Joe. Looks a lordy. Uh, I had to make uh, alternative arrangements, as did the rest of the travellers on mm -hmm, that trip, mm -hmm, and it mm -hmm. was very busy, and because it was a lovely sunny day, more people than just myself had brought their bicycles, which they hoped right. to put on the train. It wouldn't have been a problem if the train was running normally to London. We would have put it in the guard's van. No Good. problem. Mm. But because the train was cancelled, it was... Uh, the alternative was one of those three coach jobbies, like little hoppers, basically. Hate them. You know? And, but still, there's bike storage on those. So all of us, there was four of us with bikes, we all crowded round the doors uh, for the bike storage uh, carriage. And the first chap, when the doors finally opened, put his uh, bike on the bike storage bit. And I was waiting patiently for him to um, move so I could put mine in there. There was a couple of girls with bikes behind me. And then this uh, sort of posh bloke who looked a little bit like Tim Nice but Dim, you know, got up Was there. it Christopher Nolan? Uh, could well have been, mm. yeah, could well have been. And he got that up there and he had quite a big um, black suitcase. And he popped the suitcase next to the bike in the bike storage area. Mm. So the fellow before me with the bike said, Oh, um, could you move your bag? There's other people who are, who are going to be putting their bikes in. Uh, and he said, No. And so he <gasps> said, uh, what? He just said, no, I'm not going to move it. And so the guy was like, oh, it's the, it's a bike storage area though. No, it's not. And so we had the satisfaction of pointing to the large sticker that said bike storage. Nice. He said, well, there's seats there. There's three seats there, fold up seats. What if I want to sit in those seats? <laughs> we're like, okay. Uh, you, those other seats you could sit, well, where am I going to put my bag? Well, you could put it in a luggage rack. No, there's no room. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to sit on my bag right here. What do you think about that? Was he, was he mad? Well, this was the thing. I looked into his eyes and he was all a quiver a little bit. He was Like shaking. he really was, he was, he, maybe he'd had a bad day, I don't know what. But he was thinking, I am going to jolly well have a confrontation about this. I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm sick of people with bikes telling me yes. where I can go and where I can't go. No, I'm going to sit here in a bike storage area on my belly bag. If you want to do something about it, you can. Laura Blind and Data. <laughs> wow. He turned into Silla Black. But, um, so he was absolutely quivering. And I was thinking, wow, this is amazing. Usually it's me that's in these situations getting furious. And now suddenly I'm confronted by a totally unreasonable guy. Like, and you were cool as a cucumber in total control. Cool as a cucumber. So what an amazing opportunity to say some of the coolest things you've ever said. Well, I didn't want to put him down. No. I thought this is an opportunity. Very adult, very mature. For, for me to help this nutcase. 
And because people were sort of standing around, the train was about to leave. He was stopping everyone from putting their bikes on and stuff. Uh, an old lady said, it sounds like you're being very unreasonable. What are you doing there? And he said, who are you? To this old woman. I was like, hey, hey, everyone calm down. Now, listen, I'm going to help you. You said this. Yeah. I said, I'm going to help you put your bag. You said, hey, 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 everybody calm down. Did I may, you really I, say that? I, I, I may not have said, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> but I said to him, listen, man, just calm down. Why what would have been so better? Upset? Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Is if everyone had shouted but then like in a movie you shouted the loudest right do you know when they do that in films or, or slapped him or slapped someone everybody be quiet yeah and everyone else goes <gasps> he's, he's louder than he's, anyone else we should listen to him he's like one of the army men from the army recruitment yes. ads so i com I'm completely calmed the whole situation down and i uh i found him a, a spot for his bag i mean i totally humiliated the guy in a way treating him like a baby I kind of he needed to be treated like a baby and in the end he sort of like having been proved completely wrong and he was totally in the wrong 100% in this whole situation he sort of swished past me and I was expecting maybe an apology or something uh, but no he was too furious there was no question of one he just sort of said well, I'm just going to let it lie and swished wow. past me like that but then later on I saw him like flirting with some attractive women uh, at Ely station and it turned out that he was just making friends with them and I felt like going over and saying, do you realise that that man's unbalanced? <laughs> he sounds like a dude. A mega dude. I think he could be a mega dude. Maybe he was. I think I you've think. misread the situation. I didn't realise. What a story. You're like a nut magnet. Well, I was just wanting to tell the story because usually, as I say, it's the other way around. And this was one of the very rare occasions where I rose above the situation. Okay, that was Adam Buxton talking about a confrontation he had with an angry posh bloke on a train. There are loads of other t moments in um, the Adam and Joe show, which um, if I had more time, I would have found. But that was just the best I could do at this time. But uh, no, they're great. I just love their stories. I love listening to their observations about uh, stuff that's happened to them in their lives and things. So go and check out the Adam and Joe show. Of course, there's a link to the relevant page um, on, uh, on my web page. Okay, so my next favourite podcast, this is uh, number eight. Um, the next one I'd like to tell you about is the John Lennon Rolling Stone Interviews podcast, okay, which is available on iTunes. So John Lennon interview, the Rolling Stone interviews. This is a classic series of interviews that John Lennon did with Rolling Stone magazine. And as well as being a great musician and famous for being one of the Beatles, John Lennon was also a fascinating speaker. I find all of the Beatles to be really interesting and funny, but John, for me, is the one who really catches my attention more than the others. Paul is great, but I often get the sense that he's being a bit careful about his public image, and he's putting on a slightly contrived, kind of upbeat, positive persona in his interviews, which gives me the impression he's not being completely sincere and completely honest at all times. Um, George was very funny, very dry and honest as well in a similar way to John, but sometimes he could be a little bit evasive, like avoiding certain questions or just getting these, I got this sense that he didn't really enjoy giving interviews that much. Um, and also his spiritual beliefs could dominate his interviews. Ringo was just great, but he didn't really have that much to say really. So John, I think, is perhaps the most open and honest of all the Beatles. And open and honest in a way that really draws you into his heart and his mind, revealing his vulnerability, his anger, his intelligence, and his sense of humour as well. He had an extraordinary life from childhood all the way through to his untimely death in 1980. Um, and this set of podcasts is an audio interview that he did for Rolling Stone magazine in 1971, and it catches him at quite a vulnerable period in his life. At that time, he was still dealing with the breakup of the Beatles, attempting to find a place for himself in the world, breaking down the Beatles myth, and setting himself up as an individual artist in his own right with Yoko Ono by his side. He's outspoken, he's sincere, angry, defensive, aggressive, humorous, and passionate in these conversations. If you're a Beatles fan, then this is really essential listening because it gives you real insight into the innermost thoughts and feelings of John Lennon. But if you're not a Beatles fan, 
I think that you'd still find this fascinating because it's such an open, honest and frank interview with one of the most extraordinary people of the last century. The audio quality is a bit sketchy because this was taken from the original tape recording of the interview. So, um, for example, the interviewer is not very audible. His questions are very quiet. You can't really hear the interviewer's questions. But John's answers generally are easy to hear. There is a bit of tape hiss on the recording, but all in all, it's it's um, it's listenable. Okay, um, let me play you a little bit now from um, this conversation he had with Jan Wenner from Rolling Stone. This one, you're going to hear John talking about um, drinking and taking drugs. Okay, uh, the interviewer's question is basically like, when did you start taking drugs? And I got, he says, I get the impression that somewhere between a hard day's night and help. These are two of the Beatles' movies that they made. Some point during that period, you seem to start taking drugs. And John Lennon, being typically honest and straightforward, explains um, he explains his drug taking and his alcohol consumption, and when it was that they switched from take from drinking and doing pills. And by pills, he means amphetamine pills that make you that give you loads of energy. So when he switched from taking pills and drinking all the time to smoking pot. Now, the Beatles image, particularly the early image of the Beatles, was that they were very clean and cut, uh, clean cut and very sort of good boys and everything. In fact, that was just an image. And behind the image, they were just like proper sort of um, normal guys. In fact, quite rough rock and rollers really and they did all the stuff they did all the drinking and the drugs and the women and everything just like any other rock band um and here's john talking about drinking and, and taking drugs uh, i've been on pills okay here we go drugs you know, in hard days night we were, i was on pills that's drugs you know that's bigger drugs than pot uh, i've been on pills since i was 15 or si- no since i was 17 since i became a musician the only way to survive in Hamburg, to play eight hours a night, was to take pills, like the waiters gave you the pills and drink. I was a fucking drop-down drunk in art school. I was a, a pill addict until help, were, just before help, where we had turned on to pot and we dropped drink. Simple as that. I've always needed a drug to survive. I can't, you know, and the others too, but I always had more, you know. I always took more pills and more of everything because I'm more crazy. Okay, there's John Lennon talking about uh, uh, taking pills and saying that he took more than all the others because he was more crazy. Fascinating interview. And um, how much of that is there? I think this is like a few hours worth of, um, of conversation with John Lennon. And I really recommend that you listen to it because it's just the more you learn about Lennon and the more you listen to him speak, the more interesting it becomes. And the more you, you sort of realise what a kind of crazy and extraordinary life it was that he had, all squeezed into just the first 40 years. Um, OK, so that was John Lennon, the Rolling Stone interviews. Uh, the next one I'd like to talk about is called Star Talk Radio. This is my... Um, uh, this in my list of ten to one, this is number seven. Okay, Star Talk Radio, which is an, an American-produced podcast by a guy called Neil deGrasse Tyson. Okay, so Neil deGrasse Tyson is an astrophysicist. He's also the director of the Hayden Planetarium in New York, which is just an extraordinary place. It's a kind of um, a museum to science, and it's also a place where you can. It's an incredible place where you can learn about the history of the universe and you can observe like um, a simulation of of, uh, the creation from, well, I say creation, a simulation of the beginning of the universe, the whole history all the way up through to the present day. And it allows you to explore the depths of space. It's really, really fascinating thing. Uh, the Hayden Planetarium in New York. And as I said, Neil deGrasse Tyson is the um, the director of the Hayden Planetarium. And also he's just famous as um, uh, an astrophysicist with a talent for speaking in a very accessible, very engaging and entertaining way 
about science. Now, we know that science can be very boring. Um, it can be very difficult to understand. Um, and the real business of science is about testing and analysing test results. And there's lots of numbers. And um, it can be a very laborious process. Neil deGrasse Tyson manages to make science really accessible and entertaining. And uh, he's got a, very, a particular talent for um, inspiring interest and love for science. And in his podcast, uh, Star Talk Radio, he deals with all kinds of different subjects from a scientific point of view. For example, he did one all about zombies. Okay, so he did like um, a, a series of episodes all about zombies, focusing on the sort of uh, the zombie myth or the zombie narrative in movies, but from a scientific point of view, exploring it as a um, as a metaphor for um, a viral outbreak, for the way that viruses work. And actually, if you look at the zombie narrative and compare it to the to the way in which viruses operate, you know, like, for example, we've got one at the moment, Ebola, um, which um, obviously is spreading all sorts of panic around the world in the media. And the way in which the Ebola crisis is going is going on it's not too different well there are some similarities between the way in which zombie narratives work in in movies you know what i mean so that was very enlightening episode um you know listening to experts discussing um the way that viruses work and the way that zombies work in movies i found that fascinating but he's done other episodes about things like um scientific errors in movies uh, episodes about robots aliens hip-hop music even sex as well he brings intelligent guests onto his show and he's almost always joined by a comedian called eugene merman who i think's really funny and he provides some light comic relief to the episodes ultimately tyson inspires your thirst for knowledge and wonder and also provides us with a sense that science can be a kind of spiritual pursuit in a way or certainly a very meaningful and emotional thing not just a cold and soulless subject and he's also very funny i'm now going to play you a clip which is called the most astounding fact about the universe which i think i've got here uh, i've got here on my computer somewhere here it is neil degrasse tyson the most astounding fact about the universe here he is what is the most astounding fact you can share with us about the universe? The most astounding fact. The most astounding fact. Is the knowledge that the atoms that comprise life on Earth, the atoms that make up the human body, are traceable to the crucibles that cooked light elements into heavy elements in their core under extreme temperatures and pressures. These stars, the high mass ones among them, went unstable in their later years. They collapsed and then exploded, scattering their enriched guts across the galaxy. Guts made of carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, and all the fundamental ingredients of life itself. These ingredients become part of gas clouds that condense, collapse, form the next generation of solar systems, stars with orbiting planets. And those planets now have the ingredients for life itself. So that when I look up at the night sky, and I know that yes, we are part of this universe, we are in this universe, but perhaps more important than both of those facts is that the universe is in us. When I reflect on that fact, I look up. Many people feel small because they're small and the universe is big, but I feel big because my atoms came from those stars. There's a level of connectivity. That's really what you want in life. You want to feel connected. You want to feel relevant. I want to feel like a, you're a participant in the goings-on of activities and events around you. That's precisely what we are, just by being alive. Inspiring stuff indeed, don't you think? Moving stuff from a scientist. It's almost sort of spiritual in a, in a way. 
uh, the way he describes the fact that we're all made of stardust and that we're all active participants in this wonderful, mysterious and magical game that is happening all around us in the universe. It's, it's stunning, really. It really is. It's mind-blowing. I love all this stuff about science. I love listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson's podcast because it sort of blows my mind every single time. If you're capable of like following it, because it can be quite heavy, he's very good at making it accessible, but the subject can be quite a heavy one. So if you're able to follow it and you're able to sort of like focus while you're listening, then it does bring you very, very rich rewards because it gives you a real insight into you know the way that the universe works and the way that affects our lives and you know um it prevents you from um making uh certain assumptions about science or about the universe it's just great um so i suggest that you have a listen to it um i'd like to play you another clip um, featuring Neil deGrasse Tyson in which he talks about UFOs I think it's really funny and um, really interesting but you know what I don't have time maybe I'll come back to uh, UFOs in a later episode of the podcast that would be good wouldn't it of course it would Luke of course it would let's move on to number six in my countdown from 10 to one of my favorite podcasts that I like to listen to in my free time when I'm on the way to work and stuff like that. Number six here is um, another podcast from the BBC in the UK. And this one is called Desert Island Discs. Okay, Desert Island Discs. And there are two podcasts or a number of podcasts that I'd like to suggest that you check out. There's Desert Island Discs and then there's the Desert Island Discs Archive and there are a few different archives that you can find on iTunes. Uh, Desert Island Discs Archive 2000 to 2005. That's the year 2000 to the year 2005. Desert Island Discs Archive 2006 to 2011, for example. The archive ones are particularly good because they've got all of the best guests. It's like a best of. Um, but there's also the, 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 the recently and regularly updated Desert Island Discs podcast as well, which features all the guests they have on the radio show every week. Okay, so what is this show? What is Desert Island Discs? This is an absolute institution on BBC Radio. And this programme has been broadcast on the BBC for over 70 years with a format that has basically remained unchanged for that whole period. As a child, the radio in my house was often playing in the kitchen, and often this is the programme that would be on. So it's kind of, for me, now part of the landscape of not only my childhood, but also the landscape for so many other children too. Um, so many of us have, li- have grown up listening to Desert Island Discs and other radio shows on the BBC. Um, so for me, this, this show is really a, a sort of an institution. And it's on the same level as things like The Beatles, Doctor Who, BBC News, and all these other cultural landmarks of my life and my childhood over the years. Okay, For example, when I hear the music from Desert Island Discs, it takes me back to a period when I was a child, aware of like these adults talking on the radio, a certain kind of atmosphere from the show, being in the kitchen while my mum or my dad is preparing something for dinner probably my mum because my dad couldn't really cook anything and he still can't except omelettes that seems to be the only thing he can do anyway so my my kitchen as a kid radio 4 is on the on the on on the radio you're listening to bbc radio 4 and now it's time for desert island discs and then they start playing the music so basically this is just an interview program with a twist okay and the the twist is that we, uh, the interviewer and the guest, all imagine that the guest is going to be sent to live on a desert island for the rest of their life. What's a desert island? Basically, it's a remote island out in the ocean, completely removed from civilization. And we have to imagine that the guest is going to be sent to live on this island. We don't really know why. I don't think it's ever really been explained why the guest has to go out there and live on a desert island, but they do, okay? Uh, They're they're going to be cast away to live on a desert island. Um, And the guest, um, or the castaway, is allowed to take a few things with them, namely eight pieces of music, a book, and a luxury item. Okay, and in the interview, they talk about their life, explain their musical choices, 
And usually these relate to specific moments or feelings from their life. And they explain their choice of luxury item as well. The format is a success because it creates an intimate atmosphere in which the interviewee is encouraged to share deeply personal reflections on their life so far. And we get to listen to some of their favourite music too. It's absolutely delightful. And as a way to get under the skin of each guest, um, it really works. And there have been some, there've been some really great guests on the show including all sorts of famous people, like Hollywood actors, famous writers and musicians and other people. Um, the interviewer has changed a few times over the years. Um, when I was growing up, it used to be a woman called Sue Lawley, who spoke with a very crisp RP accent. Um, now it's presented by Kirsty Young, who comes from East Kilbride in Scotland. And Kirsty's accent is absolutely delicious. I mean, it's very lovely to listen to. And it does help to know that she's also just a very attractive and intelligent woman, too. It's, it, it, you know, it helps to picture that in your mind when you're listening to her. But she, her accent is just lovely. It's, it's a pleasure to listen to. And she very deftly and carefully manages to ask some very revealing questions. And guests are usually more than glad to take part and share themselves with the audience. And it's a real pleasure. It's, you get a sense of it being very candid and very intimate. The combination of Kirsty's lovely accent, her intelligent questioning, the candid intimacy of the guests, and the little bits of music that we can hear make for a really rewarding listening experience. It's a BBC podcast, so the sound quality is excellent. Um, you can either subscribe to the current podcast, as I said, with all the latest Desert Island Disc, disc episodes, or you can search through the Desert Island Disc archives. And I'd recommend that you search through the archives and find names of people that you know, like, you know, Hollywood stars or artists or whatever. For example, I had a quick look in my iPod at the moment. I've got Sir Michael Caine, Ricky Gervais, Steve Coogan, Morrissey, Emma Thompson, uh, these are the people that I've listened to recently. So I thought that we would listen to um, a little bit of Desert Island Discs. Um, and I'm wondering which one I'm going to play to you. Um, let me just have a little look in my iTunes here. Where have I got? Desert Island Discs Archive. Let's have a little look. So I listened to Bill Bailey, Steve Coogan, Morrissey, David Tennant, Emma Thompson. Um, hmm. Now, okay, let's have a listen to this. Okay, so we're going to listen to just the beginning of this episode featuring an interview with Morrissey. Um, now, some of you will know who Morrissey is uh, because he was the lead singer of a great band from Manchester in the 1980s called The Smiths. Um, oh, I'm going to have to play you a bit of The Smiths now. Okay, I'm just sort of like quickly trying to find um, something of The Smiths to play to you, which is in my library here in my music let me see if i can find the smiths the smiths there we go um all right let's have a little bit of this track let's see if you remember or, or know this track anyway the, the, these guys were just a huge band and morrissey the lead singer was a and still is um, an incredible personality and um he's got an absolutely hardcore following of fans who worship him He's really, um, really clever and a great artist and just a fascinating person. And just in case you don't know who I'm talking about, listen to this piece of music. It, it might uh, trigger your memory. Uh, it's the lead singer of this band. We're going to hear it now. Recognize this? Okay. 
That's Morrissey there singing um, in the Smiths. So do you know that? You know that piece of music? Anyway, you might not. It, they might not be famous in your country. But the Smiths were a very big deal in the UK. And their lead singer, Morrissey, is always just a fascinating person to listen to. So let's just have a quick listen to the beginning of the Desert Island Discs episode featuring Morrissey. And you're going to hear Kirsty Young's lovely accent and also the, the opening music, which is very evocative for me uh, of my childhood in the kitchen with Radio 4 playing in the background. Hello, I'm Kirsty Young. Thank you for downloading this podcast of Desert Island Discs from BBC Radio 4. For rights reasons, the music choices are shorter than in the radio broadcast. For more information about the programme, please visit bbc.co.uk slash radio4. My castaway this week is Morrissey, rock star and cultural icon. He is the outsider's outsider. As the Smiths frontman, his harsh romanticism spoke to a generation hungry for a tortured truth they could recognise, his lyrics and style cutting through the slick glamour of 80s pop. And in spite of being, in his own words, an intensely private person, more than 25 years later he's still at it filling concert halls and column inches with his awkward grace and spiky reflections. It's 100% a calling, it really is, he says, because, unfortunately, I don't really exist anywhere else in life. Do you mean you don't exist anywhere else in life apart from the moment that you're on the stage performing? No, I mean geographically. I don't exist anywhere else. (laughs) I can be found in yellow pages, but but nowhere else. Um, The quotes come back to haunt you because you do give good quote. Uh, Lots of them were never mine. Astonishingly. Was that one? That was, yes. The ones that uh, were mine, I stand by. It interests me that the press seem, given that you've had much more success as a solo artist, 10, 11 solo albums that have done, I mean, The Smiths did well, but it only lasted four years. Uh, The press, Mm. especially the music press, obsessed Mm. with your time with The Smiths. They they always want to talk about it. Yes, they do. They, they, They do. And it baffles me. So I don't understand why people seem to be locked in the past. And it irks me somewhat, because it was a long time ago. And time has passed. I heard you say in an interview that you are a continent away from the person you were then. Who, who, are, you, who are you now? Who do you feel yourself to be as a performer? At <laughs> That's least? unfair. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> I really do not. Life leads me. I follow it. And I have no idea where I will be in two hours' time, which is interesting. I do like to keep moving. Not a sentimental person, I no. think, from your list uh, of music today. Sentimental? What do you mean? Well, I mean, you're, you're not traditionally romantic. I mean, especially I think if you, I am. you think yes, you are. Yes, I think I see, see the, the poetry in everything. Right. And I see the, the sadness in everything. And I take that and I carry it with me. And that's quite difficult. I think it's very difficult being in the world of music to begin with, because it's all about artificial responses. But life is terribly serious, I find. And I think it's much better when you face it head on. What, what is it that moves you then? What are the things that you feel profoundly touched by? I feel profoundly touched by people's uh, sadness, really, quite frankly. That's the thing I most see in other people. Does that sound ridiculous? I don't think it does at all, no. Let's have some music. Tell me about the first track that you've chosen today. I've prattled on and rattled on for years and years and years about the New York Dolls. And here's one of the tracks from 1974 I think they changed everything and I'm very grateful That was the New York Dolls and there's going to be a showdown. 
and that was uh, Kirsty Young talking to Morrissey on Desert Island Discs. That piece of music they played at the end there was uh, one of his first musical choice uh, for his Desert Island experience, and that was the New York Dolls. The New York Dolls, you might not know, I mean, they're not one of the most high-profile rock bands in history, but they were very influential. And many people say that really it's the New York Dolls who inspired the kind of punk rock movement, particularly the British punk rock bands like um, the Sex Pistols and the Clash and and stuff like that. Um, and it was the punk rock movement that sort of really reset um, the the uh, what's the word for it? Let me get my. Uh, metaphors correct the punk rock movement is what kind of wiped the slate clean it kind of created a fresh new surface uh, uh, upon which new musicians and artists were able to start bands with like a, a a new refreshed sense of possibility and so on and the smiths were one of those groups that came after the punk rock movement in the in the 1980s and um it allowed them to kind of create all sorts of new types of music but as morrissey said in in that interview there um he, he finds it disappointing that people, whenever they talk about him, they always talk about the Smiths, which was uh, work that he did years ago. Of course, he's still working now. Um, and um, so, you know, we shouldn't uh, forget that. But nevertheless, it, I, I talk about the Smiths because I think that's what he's most known for. And as an introduction to who he is, he, he, I couldn't t- explain who he was without mentioning the fact that he was in the smiths could i no of course i couldn't um okay right now i've just noticed that um this episode is um i think we're in somewhere in the region of 50 to 60 minutes on this episode and i'm roughly halfway through so what i'm going to do ladies and gentlemen is pause here and end this episode at this point and then um i can start again uh and bring you part two um and i think i'm going to do that tomorrow Okay, so I've just told you about uh, the first five of my top ten podcasts that I like to listen to. Uh, We had Wireless Nights with Jarvis Cocker at number ten. Then at number nine, we talked about The Adam and Joe Show. Available. Both of those podcasts are available on the BBC website, but I think all of these podcasts are available on the iTunes store. And of course, you can find links to them on my webpage. Number eight was the John Lennon Rolling Stone interview. Number seven was Star Talk Radio with Neil deGrasse Tyson. And then number six was Desert Island Discs, um, which uh, I've just told you about. And so in the next uh, part of this two-part episode, I'm going to talk about the other five of my favourite podcast, uh, my favourite podcasts, including my number one favourite that I love the most. Okay, so you can look forward to that in the next episode. But for now... Uh, It's almost time for me to say goodbye. Of course, I'm going to invite you to leave your comments and things under this episode of the podcast. And I do hope that you check out the webpage, go there, click the links so you can easily find these podcasts that I've told you about. And then you can subscribe to them, download them, stick them on your phone or your MP3 player or whatever you choose to do. And then you can bring them with you when you go to work tomorrow. And uh, you've got some fresh stuff there for you to listen to. Experiment, you know, try them out. Listen to, a, listen to a little bit of each one. See which one grabs your attention. And then you can just add it to your, um, your normal list of stuff to listen to. Okay, right, good. Thanks again for listening to this episode. I'll be speaking to you again very, very soon. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project 
possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.